Hello. And I'm the only person here. Um, Logan should be joining us shortly after resolving some technical issues uh, on his end with the computer stuff. Uh, so we don't have a lot of, hey, how are you, unless I ask myself, hey, how are you doing? Um, same as last week, it's cold. We got some snow, like a bunch of other people all across the country yesterday and Thursday. Um, and that's that. Um, spending my time today getting caught up on some of the THR news and hopefully we'll uh, talk about that stuff here. That's, that's, that's why we're here. Um, but of course, before we get to all of that, we've got to do the thing with the legislation. Certainly a lot quicker than we normally do it. Um, so uh, we'll just get right into it here. Um, for those of you who are playing, oh, you know, I got to do, I got to do all of the things. Uh, and, and now, of course, I'm getting uh, confused what comes first here. Um, <clears throat> so uh, for those of you who are playing the home game, uh, we've got several updates this week, and we'll start in Washington State. Um, we got an update from uh, Sean De Silva out there, one of our, our boots on the ground friends in Washington and Alaska. Um, SB 5768, which was the nicotine cap and a ban on nicotine salts, uh, was heard by the committee and did not move from executive session. Um, so uh, it, it, we're sort of expecting this to not go much further, but um, certainly folks are going to be keeping an eye on this uh, and see what happens. The other bill in Washington state, uh, we still have uh, an engagement up for this, uh, not really pushing it too hard at the moment. Um, and obviously I need to do an update for all of this information. Um, but this was is a vapor tax uh, technically still alive? Um, and uh, because of the way the session works, uh, a tax bill has a lot more time to, uh, to go somewhere. Uh, but at the moment, there are no additional hearings or executive sessions scheduled. Uh, and so again, keeping an eye on this one as well. Uh, so relatively good news for Washington State. I'm glad to hear it, and thanks again for Sean, to Sean De Silva for keeping us in the loop uh, and doing all the work on the ground there in Washington State. Um, moving right along, uh, oh, that's the wrong button here. Uh, let's get to Alaska, uh, another state where Sean has been instrumental in keeping everybody up to date on what's going on. Uh, SB 45, uh, this was heard in committee this week. Uh, we still have an active engagement up for this, but uh, the current status is heard and held. Um, so I, I'm not entirely sure what that means as far as progression of the bill, um, but uh, it's still alive and uh, we're keeping our eyes on it to see what the next steps are. Uh, and our engagement, of course, is still active. Always a good time if you are in Alaska. Uh, to contact your lawmakers and uh, let them know your thoughts on paying a 75% tax on vaping. Um, so uh, that does it almost, almost, almost done with the Pacific Northwest. 
Um, Washington County, Oregon. Uh, there was someone had asked us, and I wasn't sure at the time, but since then there have been articles published. Um, a petition with 10,000 signatures upended a Washington County ban on flavored vape products. Uh, way to go, retailers in, in Washington County for organizing this, getting your customers involved. Uh, what this does is it takes it to the ballot. Uh, the statewide primary elections are on, um, uh, I believe, May 17th. Just double checking my notes here. Yes, uh, this is according to Ballotpedia, your source for all things ballot. Um, so uh, this is going to go to a, a, a ballot question, um, which is uh, usually what people do um, when they can't get legislature to agree with things. So uh, perhaps all of the misinformation about flavored products weren't wasn't honestly convincing enough, and uh, and so we need to put it to the people. This is really hard. Hey, we got a Logan. Hey, <laughs> how's all it going? All right. So hey, how are you, Alex? <laughs> Good. Yeah, you saved me from. Usually, I'm really focused on this stuff, and, and I'm I'm sort of floundering because I have all these other things to worry about. <laughs> no, I'm here. We're good. If I, look, guys, I don't know what's going on with my computer. It just doesn't want to agree with Streamyard today. So if I'm like glitchy or I freeze or whatever, just bear with me. I I don't have answers, but she's struggling today. The Mac is struggling with Streamyard today. But all right, Alex, back to as, as you were saying, as you were saying yeah. about so Alaska, Alaska uh, the I'm sorry, not Alaska. We were in Washington County, Oregon. Um, uh, so the uh, the flavor ban is being put to a ballot question. Uh, these are really hard to uh, fight because, you know, uh, unless you've got tons of money and you can you know pay for a, a, a big campaign pushing a ballot initiative. Um, which I would expect, perhaps, uh, the tobacco companies would get involved here. Um, they've got millions of dollars to put towards things like this, but we'll see. Um, and so, uh, who knows? Uh, but, you know, convincing the people of Washington County to vote against a flavor ban um, is probably going to be very difficult and very expensive. But uh, at least there is some delay here. Uh, and so, we'll take the, the minor win while it holds up. Um, yes, I'm sorry, I'm getting confused here because there are other things with numbers <laughs> that I'll have to get to. Um, so anyway, that now we're done with the Pacific Northwest. Um, moving right along to Maine. A lot of, a lot of stuff going on in Maine besides the snow. Um, I am actively right now attempting to get people links while you're doing this. Oh, fantastic. They're all in the show notes if that opened up for you. That, that's where I'm headed to. Excellent. Mac, come on. Come <laughs> on. Um, My computer so runs beautifully all the time, except for right now. Right now, it's like, no, I just, I just don't want to do it. It's... I don't know. It's feeling the February blues over here. It just doesn't want to work. It's something's 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 been going on for me over the past week. I, uh, web pages aren't loading all the way, and things have slowed down. I even got some kind of low bars. I don't know what's going on. Every every everybody and everything is just you know February sucks. Okay, so really quick, 
Um, you have gone through Washington. I did Washington State. Um, and really the only link that needs to be shared will be for SB 1676, which I have not updated information on. Um, but things are sort of quieting down in Washington State, just to underscore that. We don't want to barrage lawmakers with stuff. Um, you know, it, there's no need to, to make them angry. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I'm not going to stand in the way of people wanting to share their thoughts with their elected officials. So, um, but yeah, SB 1676 is sort of possibly still a threat because it's a tax bill and it can still get passed later in the session. Um, so I've done Washington State, Alaska, SB 45, um, and the Oregon stuff, really just, just sharing the news articles for Oregon. Okay. Um, we got two articles, one from Half Wheel, which is a sort of cigar-oriented uh, magazine, and then one from KOIN, which is the um, okay. Seattle-Tacoma so news station. Here's our link to the uh, Washington uh, call to action for SB 5768. Uh, no, you want the other one. The other one? Yep. Okay, guys, ignore. <laughs> Ignore me. <laughs> okay, so to be fair, this is this is normally Kristen uh, doing this. Oh, I can't delete that. So ignore that, you guys. Just ignore that. Uh, I don't have I don't have one for sixteen seventy six in show notes. Oh yeah, but I do have a uh, call to action for SB forty five in Alaska. So I will share this. Kristen, I really hope you're not watching me botch this live stream right now. I hope that you're spending quality time with the baby and not watching everything I'm doing wrong. I just put the uh, the tax bill engagement in, in the chat. So we're good. Okay, so we're caught up on links. Uh, you guys just ignore that first one. I think I was able to delete it for Facebook, but I couldn't delete it for YouTube. Or if it went out, uh, I don't know if the links are active on Twitter streams or not. But ignore that first SB 5768 call to action that is on the YouTube chat. The next two links catch us up. Alex, the floor is yours again. I apologize. Outstanding. Um, so, okay, we did Oregon. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm sharing that one right now, the, the news article. Fantastic. Um, moving to the other side of the country, we are in Maine, uh, Portland, Maine uh, is looking at a flavor ban. And uh, as we noted, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, they had the first reading on January 19th. Nothing really came of that. Uh, and so now they have scheduled the second reading, which includes the public hearing. Just got word this afternoon that this has been scheduled for Monday, this Monday, February 7th at 5 p.m. Uh, and um, so this is, oh man, I keep getting turned around here. <laughs> Other side of the country. There we go. And yeah, you were over on the West Coast and now you're on the best coast. Yeah. So I've just, you know, everything rusted while I was over there. Um, so uh, here's the deal for Portland, Maine. Still accepting public comment. Uh, if you would like to um, send that in, you can send an email to publiccomment at portlandmaine.gov. 
they must be in by 12 p.m. on the day of the city council meeting. Um, that would 12 p.m. Monday. That's the deadline for your your comments. Uh, we also have the pre-written message here. Uh, I, I you'll have to forgive me. I do not remember if I set this up to go to the public comment email or to go to all to go to your city council member. Um, go ahead and send both if you like. It's very easy, uh, of course, to send the pre-written one. You barely have to think about it. Of course, you are encouraged to edit it and include your personal story. Um, so again, Portland, Maine, all the details are on our call to action. Uh, the agenda and Zoom meeting materials are here as well. Uh, that includes the link to log in. And, uh, and when you, if you are planning to testify, you just got to do the Zoom raise hand feature and I believe they will call on you. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Moving along, we are still in Maine. Uh, Maine is looking at, Maine has two different bills that have flavor ban language in it uh, and in them. Uh, and so the one that is up for a hearing next is going to be LD 1693. Uh, this is referred to as, did I, did I get the, the whole thing in here? Um, now, it's a bill to improve, you know, health equity and so on. Uh, unironically, they are including a ban on flavors, um, which, of course, will put people, you know, already at a, see it feeling the challenges of keeping healthy uh, in an even more challenging position. Uh, so uh, this bill is scheduled for a hearing on Wednesday, February 9th, 10 a.m., uh, again, just like the other one, here are the sign-up and testimony instructions. Uh, all of this stuff is still doing uh, remote testimony. Specifically for this bill, we're asking people uh, to state their opposition to Part D. Everything else in this is not really our issue, um, but uh, Part D is the flavor ban, and it absolutely should be removed from any legislation trying to help people get healthy. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, this was rescheduled because of the snowstorm, uh, and it's coming back on Wednesday. That's this Wednesday for those keeping score at home. Uh, LD 1550, haven't really heard much, uh, uh on this bill, uh, considering that the, the flavor ban language is in this 1693 nonsense. Um, you know, we don't know where this is going to move. LD 1550, of course, was carried over from last session. Uh, and so we're waiting to hear about what the next steps are going to be. Uh, honorable mentions, of course, Colorado, we're still watching HB 22-1064, which is a flavor ban. Uh, Indiana, HB 1379, another flavor ban. Um, Mississippi, SB 2062. Um, this is a tax bill, uh, and we talked about this last week. Um, that would um, basically bring vaping into the same tax regime as other tobacco products and smokeless tobacco, um, which doesn't, uh, you know, adding taxes to these products, certainly not something that we support. Um, on the other hand, it's not like they're trying to do tax parity like, you know, Vermont or the United States. So um, might not be the most horrible thing in the world. Um, Let's see. Uh, Michigan still uh, still getting updates from Mark's list. Thank you. Uh, not quite sure where things are this week, but um, sounded like things are are happening and work is being done. 
Um, so uh, keep that updated. The last thing in the legislative rundown, I kind of wanted to just breeze breeze past everybody here are um, some uh, additional resources that folks might find useful. Uh, number one, uh, Lindsey Stroud has uh, produced the Tobacco and Vaping 101 50 State Analysis again uh, this year, updated. Uh, and so this is a good resource for people. Um, lots of facts and um, statistics and, and interesting things for all 50 states. Find your state, see what's going on. Uh, and this is a very useful uh, resource for adding comments uh, to your, your, your testimony uh, or, or written comments or phone calls that you're making to lawmakers. Um, so that, thank you, Lindsey Stroud, once again, for putting this together. Um, and this is from the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. Uh, another uh, tax foundation, uh, some analysis uh, and commentary about the Massachusetts flavored tobacco ban. Uh, overall, no impact on sales in New England because everybody just went to New Hampshire. <laughs> um, so uh, another good resource, uh, especially for tax bills and so on. Uh, you know, we, we say this time and again, if you tax these products, make them unaffordable, people are just going to go back to smoking. They're going to purchase them. They're going to go to other states. They're going to purchase them from underground sources. Uh, and, um, you know, raising taxes on vapor products doesn't make any sense. And yet states keep doing it. Um, so anyway, all of those points and more provided in this uh, resource. Uh, and then uh, this one from Christina Heron at the uh, Citizens Against Government Waste, uh, specifically discussing Maine's proposed flavor ban. Uh, and uh, I apologize for not having a huge breakdown in this, but once again, uh, this is some good analysis uh, with links to um, useful studies. Uh, and, and I'm sure a lot of this is stated in a very uh, understandable way. So by all means, borrow from all of these resources when putting together your comments uh, on these particular issues. And with that, I think we're done with the legislative rundown. Ooh, okay. <clears throat> I am just really quickly sharing those last three uh, links. Sorry for the, the bombardment of links, chat. I love you, and I just want you to have all the things all at once. <laughs> just trying to spoil you with links right now. I mean, it looks even worse on our end because we're seeing the links posted to both, both Facebook oh, sure. and YouTube. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, in our chat, it's just, it's just links right now. Oh, and Tom. Links and Tom. That's all I see. How's it going, Tom? Good to see you. All right. So... so. Good job, Alex, on the legislative rundown. Do, do we need to do a little retroactive, hey, how are yous, or should we just move along to the takes? Do you, you want to do, hey, how are yous? Because Hey, how answer, are you? My answer is cold and tired. <laughs> that's just been my, my I, week. I, I think that's how I summed up uh, my mood as well. Yeah, my, my la the last three days for me has just been take a nap, go deal with snow, take a nap, go deal with snow, lay and rest for an hour, not really nap, go deal with snow. So that's, that's my, Hey, how are you? <laughs> Excellent. I already did mine and I didn't, 
I didn't, we, we live in an HOA, so I didn't have to shovel a damn thing. Um, and I was too slow to shovel the, the pile of snow that's encroaching the exhaust for our furnace. Um, thanks neighbors. Um, <laughs> anyway, should we do the next thing? We, we can, yes, let's do the next thing. Okay. Are you guys, uh, ready for some take threes? I don't know why they play so weird for me. It always I, like stutters and then it's like dun dun dun. <laughs> like <laughs> I uh it did it wasn't sped up this week, so something's different. See, for me, like and it's always the first one, it's always the take three bumper. Whenever I run that, it skips and then it plays it super fast. So it sounds yeah. real like even though that that noise that accompanies our bumper is kind of dramatic and cool and spiffy, it sounds like super extra dramatic when it's sped up. Yeah. And I'm always like, oh, what's about to happen? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, as blissfully unprepared as I am this week, um, would you like me to go first? Yeah, I can't even remember which ones we're taking. So okay. go for it. I... See, this is where we went wrong earlier is when I clicked share screen. So mm -hmm. we're going to attempt it. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that this works. Because earlier. Do you want Do you want me to? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh you guys. Is it still that, working? That seemed pretty flawless. Did it, are we still good? We're good. Okay, cool. So, uh this is this is less of a these are kind of all just big discussions today i guess and less of like quick takes uh because it is just alex and i uh so this is from clive bates this is in the counterfactual this is clive's blog e-cigarette risk perceptions in american crime scene uh this entire blog post is is really about how poor our risk perceptions are here in america and he does go into uh, in the UK as well. Uh, but these, this graph that he uh, assembled here <clears throat> is from the HINTS survey. It's from the U.S. National Cancer Institute. Uh, these are results from 2014, 2017, and from 2020. And as you can see here, uh, the number of adults uh, that believe that e-cigarettes are more harmful or much more harmful has gone up dramatically since 2017 and now into 2020 more harmful much more harmful uh he does go on to say that the don't know is kind of handled inconsistency inconsistently across the surveys so he he kind of merged some of these together the i don't know and never heard of um so yeah we've 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 strayed from accurate information into deadly misinformation over the past six years um much more harmful up from 3.1 to 15%. 15% of US adults currently believe that e-cigarettes are much more harmful. And this is this is really too, the I don't know section, even though this has gone down, which I'm assuming this category, this these people have moved essentially and made their decision. That's my assumption. Don't take that for for anything other than my assumption. Um, but this is really concerning here too, with the amount of information that we have and the amount of public health 
resources we have to disseminate accurate information or even just information in general to people, we still have 24.4% of U.S. adults don't know or they've never heard of e-cigarettes. I don't know how at this point in 2022 that you haven't heard of e-cigarettes, but you're going to at some point if you haven't yet. Um, he does go on. There's, there's always a table of contents. Uh, Clive's blogs tend to be uh, a pretty good, pretty good sit down and read. Um, they're a little lengthy, but always good um, for anybody who has not read any of Clive's stuff. This is a this is kind of where I want to head to, though. We can talk about Avali if you want to, Alex. But I think we've talked about Avali and nauseam at this point. Yeah. Who is causing? the public misunderstanding of vaping risks. And uh, Clive is is really pointing some, some serious fingers here. And these are some organizations that we've also talked about. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I went too far. Yeah, right here. Here we go. Uh, who is causing the public misunderstanding of vaping risks? Risks, He says, let's take a look at the e-cigarette risk communication of four major U.S. health organizations, American Heart, American Cancer Society, American Lung Association, and the American Thoracic Society. Thoracic. I, when reading this, I really, really thought he was going to put um, the American Academy of Pediatrics in here as well. And I'm kind of surprised that he didn't um, bring them up. But as we know, American Heart Association, um, this is uh, an example of one of their, I don't know, uh, posts, um little information tidbits from American Heart Association. Uh, you can read through all of this dribble and cherry picking and misinformation if you want to. Um, along with all of these, basically Clive goes in to just kind of tear them apart, point out their poor communication or complete lack of um, good communication for the AHA um, I'm just going to scroll through here, you guys. I read this today, so you guys are you guys are along with me for some of this as well. American I, Cancer. I, I will jump in in just a second, and for just a second, and say you know a lot of this. Some one of the things that we bring up a lot, and and something you know, I, there's a theme between these two posts here is it's all about the language, and yeah. so you know this is sort of his observation here, and just looking at what the you know American Heart has put up here, it, the, the the title basically shows you the bias, many downsides, few potential upsides, and the entire thing focuses on just the risk. Minimal as it may be, they've managed to hype it up. And uh, still, uh, I believe he said this was, yeah, this is recent. This is January 31st, 2022, and we're still seeing e-cigarettes being linked to thousands of cases of serious lung injury, some resulting in death. Yeah. We're still seeing Evali from American Heart. Um, yeah, and moving on again, um, American Cancer Society. Uh, this description fails to convey any sense at all that e-cigarettes are much safer than smoking. So just kind of denying, um, deny, deny, deny. We see this a lot of a lot of out of these orgs. American Lung, again, in this this big group of four that he's pointing out. Um, and a lot of these are are real recent, like this year that he's bringing up. This is this isn't uh, you know a few yeah. years ago. These are all 
very much right now. These they've certainly been they've they've been updated. Yeah, th this is as of uh, January thirty first. This is what's on these sites, and yeah, these so these are not just to kind of clarify. These aren't new posts. Uh, these organizations have had some form of this garbage on their website, um, probably since 2013, 14, 15, something like that, um, yeah. maybe even earlier. Uh, and so they've only updated it with their misinformative take on real issues. Yeah. And again, January 31st is when he accessed this. So this is still up on American Thoracic Society. Um ATS takes this opportunity to inform us that it is deeply skeptical about the safety of e-cigarettes, implying that you, the reader, should be skeptical too. That way you can fall into that just don't know, never heard of e-cigarettes category. Um, and then once we get all past that, he says, could vaping risk communication be done better? He gives four examples of risk communication about vaping from major organizations in the UK, the NHS, uh, Cancer Research UK, British Lung Foundation, and British Heart Foundation. Um, and these are all really, uh, th this is all much, much better risk, risk communication from the UK, from NHS, from British Lung Foundation, um, Cancer Research UK. I think a lot of folks here in chat are familiar with all of these entities. Um, but if you're not, uh, I'm going to make sure that I share this blog as well. And he does have, um, you know, links to to all of these. So uh, at the end of the UK doing a much better job at portraying risk perceptions and communicating to the public, um, he says, how bad is this? Very bad. Big tobacco circa 1970s bad. Merchants of doubt. So, yeah, uh, that's exactly. I mean, this is something you and I, I mean, I think all of us not only just here in this program, but I think all of us have, have talked about that organizations, anti, <clears throat> excuse me, anti-tobacco and anti-nicotine organizations now are essentially the ones that are actually working from the big tobacco playbook. The yeah. old circa 1970s big tobacco playbook. Yeah, you know, they've adopted this strategy of fighting fire with fire. And I think, you know, certainly in the 70s and 80s, there's, you know, arguably that was that was the most effective path. Right. Um, but they have sort of, you know, the, they sort of pigeonholed themselves into being a one trick pony and they just continue to reference that playbook. Uh, in order to, you know, achieve their goal of uh, a nicotine and tobacco-free society, which is foolish. It is foolish. I mean, the war on drugs has taught us anything. It's that drugs won the war, and we're uh, not going to be able to legislate or criminalize people, legislate our way out of um, drugs existing. It just doesn't work that way. Um, down here at the end of his blog is postscript, uh, risk perceptions in the UK. Um, he's got a graph here to show that, uh, the portion of Brits believing e-cigarettes are more or equally harmful than cigarettes was 37% in 2020. 
and 32% in 2021. For the U.S. in 2020, that figure is 62%. So a lot more wrongness in the U.S., but still an alarming level in the U.K. Just 11 to 12% of Brits believe correctly that e-cigarettes are a lot less harmful. So that compares to only 2.6 in the U.S. in 2020. So the risk perception in the U.K. is pretty bad just not as bad as the U.S. Global media outlets, notably the Mail Online and Sure Hapless Brits, are served plenty of disinformation with its origins in, origins in guess where? The United States. So risk perceptions, Alex. Risk perception. I mean, it wasn't too long ago. Uh, there was a study, and we've talked about that as on the show as well, and I don't have it up to to give to anybody or pull up. And I don't think I have it saved quickly. Um, but a study about um, like doctors, people in the medical field and their perceptions of nicotine. And it was something like 80% of, of um, practitioners believe nicotine also causes some form of disease, whether it be lung cancer, heart disease, um, hmm. all of these, these, smoking attributable diseases they were attributing strictly to nicotine so i mean it's not just you know uh your common everyday people that don't have an accurate perception of risk when it comes to vapor products but our doctors our practitioners um and all of this stems from these major organizations these major public health organizations that people do trust and listen to that are putting out all of this garbage. Yeah. And, you know, as far as I know, uh, you know, the institutions where doctors, where clinicians get their training are not updating this information either. Um, uh, considering that uh, several years ago, Mitch Zeller spoke at a conference and, and brought the alarming uh, statistic of something like 40% of clinicians believe that nicotine caused cancer, uh, which is more specific than the number that you just cited. Um, and, and that's, of course, demonstrably false. But, you know, from from Mitch Deller, you know, FDA, Center for Tobacco Products Director, uh, you know, his big concern there was not so much about vaping or tobacco harm reduction, but the fact that these clinicians are going to be less likely to recommend things like NRT. Um, and so, you know, no matter what our experiences have been with those products, certainly they are helpful for for some people. Uh, and doctors should absolutely feel comfortable about recommending NRT along with vaping and, and other smoke-free alternatives. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, because of that, because of this, this erroneous belief that nicotine is the source of harm, millions of people are being underserved by their doctors because they're not being uh, recommended the resources that, that may help them. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, going to a doctor about quitting smoking was something that I never did, but I can only imagine it would be, you know, roll through the list of pharmaceutical products that are out there that are FDA, you know, uh, approved and try and try again. Oh wait, that one didn't work. Why well, don't you give this a shot? That didn't work. Try, 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 try again. And that that's essentially, that's gotta be the process, right? I didn't go through it. Anybody in chat out there who did seek, um, you know, um, advice or whatever, uh, through their doctor. W w is that basically what it was like for you? W how was that for anybody in chat or for Alex as well? What was that? Well, I, I, I will say I, you know, 
the um, the, the alarming <clears throat> kind of outcome of 40% of clinicians believing that nicotine is the source of harm uh, or 80% believing that it's responsible for some of these other diseases um, is that they they may not uh, they may not ha take those opportunities when you know the, their their patient is in in the examination room uh, to to make that suggestion about quitting smoking. Uh, if they even get to that point, it may be something along the lines of like, well, you should just quit. You know, it's bad for you, and without yeah. offering all of these other resources. Um, have or, you tried or perhaps, bird watching? Yeah, have you tried bird watching? Um, there's no nicotine in bird watching, so you're fine. Right, it's um, obviously safe. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's been my experience visiting a doctor that you know when they, when new people, I guess, are sort of like, you know, they now they they see my status as someone who uses tobacco. Um, I am offered materials. Uh, the only time that that has happened to me in, with my current doctor, uh, the, the the person recommended or offered me their pamphlet about quitting tobacco use. And I said, I said, no, thanks. You know, I, I quit smoking. Um, I, I already know what's in the pamphlet and some of it is arguably misleading. <laughs> so, you know. Good for you calling it right out though. She, yeah. she was very, very kind and I'm sure uh, disguised her shock and horror <laughs> at my statement. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just one of those things. Yeah. So. It's like, uh, I mean, I guess it's, it, it's, it's very different, but every now and again, I'll still um, be working, I'll be somewhere, wherever, and, and I'll, I'll vape and somebody will say something like, don't you know, that's going to kill you? Like, don't you know how bad that is? Oh, smoking is bad for you. That's my favorite one. When you're vaping and someone says smoking is bad for you and you go, yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm vaping <laughs> like this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that information. <laughs> I, you know, I will say, um, you know, in spite of the fact that, uh, or despite, you know, clinicians in the past, offering, you know, help for quitting smoking. And so when I was in treatment, they sort of made it available that they had a nicotine anonymous meeting on Wednesday nights, um, which I never went to because, you know, I'm just going to hold on to the cigarettes. Do they still um, call it NA? I think they just use nicotine anonymous. Yeah, if you have two NAs, that's going to get confusing. Um, so, uh, uh, oh, now I, where, where did I lose my... Oh, yeah, it, it wasn't so much that I took advantage of the, the resources being, I, I didn't take advantage of the resources from any doctor or medical professional. I, I talked to my dad. Uh, sure. My dad smoked cigarettes for longer than I did. Uh, and uh, he quit by using nicotine gum. And I, I think the way to say it actually is he quit by switching to nicotine gum. He's been chewing it for something like 13 years. Um, he's been using nicotine gum long term. Uh, and so, you know, the last time they came and stayed at our house, my, my office trash, trash can, the entire top level was just, you know, discarded nicotine gum blister packs. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I, I, I took advice from my dad, someone who has experience in quitting smoking, uh, and, and used his strategy. And I, I've told this story before, but you know, this, what he suggested to me was eventually the guidance that FDA authorized nicotine gum manufacturers to use, which is, you know, don't pick a quit date, pick a start date, start using the product, start replacing cigarettes with pieces of nicotine gum and gradually, you know, delay that first cigarette of the day. It was a pretty good strategy. 
um, you know, despite the, far, the side effects of, of chewing nicotine gum, it, it got me to a point where I was able to go, you know, an entire weekend. I was able to drive from Lancaster, Pennsylvania down to Atlanta, Georgia without smoking. That's a 13 hour drive without smoking a cigarette. Uh, of yeah. course, I checked into a, a Super 8 when I got there and uh, uh, chain smoked like three or four cigarettes. But still, I made it the almost the entire yeah, day without well, smoking. It. And I did it behind the wheel, too, which has always been a challenge for me. Um, oh, man. Smoking but, uh, and driving. That was but, you know, very much like you. very much like what we've all experienced with vaping and, and the vaping community uh, and the support that we found among friends. Um, that was my experience with trying nicotine gum was, you know, asking, you know, my, my dad, how, how things went and how he used the product. Um, not, not getting something, not getting advice from someone in a lab coat. Um, so certainly, you know, not everybody has that connection, but, um, you know, friends and family are, are, that's where we get our support. Um, so anyway, I, I'm getting off on a tangent. Yeah. There. I mean, I, I, I basically had no, uh, aside from, uh, I guess, aside from from my partner who had tried vaping and was kind of in the middle, like, otherwise it was, I had, I had no real support from anybody around me because I didn't know anybody, like, up close and personal at the time, like, close friends or family that had quit smoking with vaping. So for me, that support was, like, day one in the vape shop. I, I'm a fortunate individual who had a fantastic group of people in that vape shop who were just like instant family, like instant friends. And I went back every day after that, you know, to go hang out. And yeah. Yeah. That support is, is, is definitely crucial. I, I will say something. My first little bit of uh, interaction with the chat here from Neff. I never smoked in the car. It just ruins them. So I detailed full size passenger vans for like six years. Um, was it six or seven years? Um, and, uh, and yeah, definitely. We didn't have a smoking policy because, you know, the company actually recognized that it was unenforceable. Um, and, uh, you know, we rented vans to mainly touring musicians. So, you know, Oh, they're going to smoke in that van. <laughs> yeah. They're going to smoke in that van. They, oh, they came back smelling like all kinds of things. We rented a van to Wiz Khalifa. So, you know what that came smelling, came back smelling. Oh, like. that um, probably the but, best smelling van to come back. No, actually, it was the it was uh, it was good guy vapes that, that rented from us at one point. It came okay. back smelling like a vape show. It was great. Hey, um, yeah, you, you can't. Don't have to do, you, there's no you don't need an air freshener or anything like that. You just you know wipe it down, leave it be, and it smells you know fruity and nice. Yeah, um, yeah, it smells like those, unicorn puke and. <laughs> for, for for those who have to deal with that smoke smell in your home or auto, um, one thing that will do a lot to get that smell out chlorine dioxide gas you know and, oh and where do i get that i can't even remember the name of the manufacturer but i did get a product that was basically a little cardboard dish and it had a little pouch in it you add some kind of room temperature water to it and it creates the chlorine dioxide gas you put it in the vehicle close up all the doors put it in the shade uh the, the sunlight will destroy the co2 gas uh, so you have to, you can do it overnight, keep it in your garage, whatever, just keep it out of direct sunlight. Chlorine dioxide gas kills every living thing. Uh, and so it, it, it also does quite a lot to, to deal with um, smoke odors, uh, especially that the fish smell. If you spill fish in your, in your truck, that is almost impossible to get out of anything. Uh, but chlorine dioxide gas, also ozone shocking, 
uh, will help to deal with odors. Um, and you can actually get some, some cheap ozone machines on Amazon. Uh, the drawback with ozone is that it erodes plastic. So uh, if you do it too much, some of your wiring will start to degrade. Um, but there are ways to get that smoke smell out. Um, and, uh, and I've used them and, it, and I've experienced success. Even got the fish smell out of a car. But I will tell you, the most disgusting smelling thing to be, to be spilled inside of a vehicle is Red Bull or pretty much any other energy drink. If you leave that sit in the summer, it will smell. Mm. It smells kind of fishy. It smells. It just smells like a dead body. I, I don't know what's in those things, but they're horrible. My um, next question <laughs> is is going to involve how and why you're familiar with the smell of a dead body, and maybe this isn't something that I should be asking on a broadcasted program. <laughs> no, I, I, okay, I, I, well, I, I can't say that I've ever really smelled a dead human body, but you know, things die and animal corpses. And, and of course, I tell you, man, you, you clean out enough vans, you find enough interesting stuff. Uh, this is I, true. I, I have this a photo true. album on my Facebook page called interesting shit found in band at, at end of rental. Uh, and they come back in, various states of disrepair <laughs> so oh um, i can only i can only imagine i can only imagine yeah Ooh. so anyway enough about auto detailing <laughs> yeah so anyways uh that was that i don't really have a take on it other than we need to do a lot better uh as far as risk perceptions are concerned not only for um you know our our medical community who are here to help people and give them, you know, the best up-to-date, accurate information um, that they have in order to help people succeed. Uh, but across the board, uh, for everyday people, we need better risk communication about smoke-free products, particularly vaping in the U.S. Uh, and in the U.K. But I, I have a feeling that if we improve that risk communication here in the U.S., I imagine it'll improve in the UK because it kind of sounds like a lot of it comes from us. The poor communication, their, their misperceptions. Um, if there's one thing the US is excellent at exporting, it is bad drug policy and bad drug information. Period. Across the board. Just we're, we don't we don't uh, we don't communicate or deal with drugs very well. In the United States, and that includes nicotine. So that is it for my take on Clive's uh, latest counterfactual post. What do you got, Alex? Well, I am uh, highlighting an article from Zachary Siegel published this week in Ooh, the big Bachelor. shout out to Zach Siegel. Shout out to Zach Siegel, um, who is also another harm harm reduction uh, person who is, uh, I, I think it's fair to say, been engaging with. Uh, the tobacco harm reduction folks as well, um, and uh, this is this is a this is a read for sure. Um, but uh, the focus here, uh, at least what I picked up on, was what we've come to know as the disease model of addiction, uh, and and sort of moving beyond that. There's a lot of conversation in in the drug world um, of you know addressing stigma, stigma uh, and, and of course, you know, our policies have not helped with that and all of the campaigns against drugs. And of course, if anybody's following the Truth Initiative, you, you've probably seen that 
Um, they seem to have gotten some funding to tackle the opioid crisis. Uh, and some of the commercials, some of the commercials that they ran, at least up here, uh, I think probably two years ago, um, were all about um, using diverted pain medication or, or you know, opioids. Uh, and the, the testimonials that they provided um, were very incomplete, I, I believe, and uh, essentially promoted this myth that drugs are, are somehow magically addictive the first time you use them. Uh, the, the campaign didn't do anything to address the stigma of substance use. Uh, and um, I can't imagine it uh, made anybody feel good about going to get help. Um, and so to give the Truth Initiative money to do for opioids what they've done for tobacco, um, to me, seems ultimately very harmful. Um, so if you are watching this and you are in the drug policy reform world, um, keep your eyes peeled for some garbage coming from the Truth Initiative. Um, it is bound to make your job and your life a little bit more miserable. Um, although I have a faith in, in a well-established drug policy reform movement to get out in front of this and, and take this nonsense down. Um, so anyway, um, you know, one of the things, this, this, this is all about the disease model of addiction. And, um, you know, remarkably, I think this has really just applied mainly to drugs other than nicotine. Uh, and, um, you know, as, as, as people who use nicotine, we've been sort of caught up in this narrative that, you know, I, I guess ultimately you sort of come down to, um, you know, we're just stupid, right? I, I mean, we're either stupid or, or, or helpless and we're victims of, a, of an aggressive, of aggressive marketing campaigns. Uh, and then even, you know, all of the, all of the anti-tobacco campaigning that's been going on through the years, um, it's, it, I think, I think most people, I, I don't have any numbers to back this up, but I assume the perception of people who don't smoke, uh, of people who do smoke is that, that we're dumb and that, you know, after decades of information about how bad smoking is, and we still continue to smoke, uh, we, we must just be idiots. Um, but, you know, nicotine is a drug like anything else. Certainly smoking uh, is its own. I mean, it, it does actually fall under the classification of addiction. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, we all like, like, like other drugs, people use nicotine for reasons, uh, and they are not limited to slick marketing or misinformation from tobacco companies. Um, and so I know I'm not going to do this article justice, which is why I highly recommend folks read this if you haven't. Um, but it, it gets into the history of how we got to this point of treating addiction under this disease model um, and, uh, and, and I think uh, also expressing some frustration about where um, uh, the research is focused and, uh, and, and of course the policies around you know, regulating access to drugs. Um, one of the things that came to my mind while I was reading this, um, because ultimately you know, we're talking about this as a, as a brain disease and uh, you know, one of the things I was told when I was in treatment for substance use disorder uh, was uh, that, that this is a lifelong 
thing. You once an addict, always an addict. These are sort of some of the sayings and platitudes that that he also um, highlights here. Uh, here we go. Uh, I, I got the same narrative here. Being treated for addiction in my early 20s, counselors dished out slogans like once an addict, always an addict. We were presented with this advice to treat going to 12-step meetings uh, as a, a diabetic taking their insulin, uh, or I'm sorry, someone, a person with diabetes. Uh, and uh, in that, you know, this was our way to, to stay away from drugs and alcohol. Uh, we had to treat this like medicine because we were suffering from a, a medical condition. Uh, and, and as much as I appreciate this effort to, you know, destigmatize substance use, uh, it does have that effect of heaping some hopelessness onto people. Uh, and, and part of the, the um, uh, narrative, part of the, one of the things that I was told when I was in rehab was you can expect to make uh, less than a million dollars in your lifetime. Uh, I think you're, you know, your average person who doesn't use drugs and they, um, or, you know, whatever, most people who use drugs don't actually have a problem. Um, but someone who's not addicted uh, someone who isn't isn't going through substance use disorder uh, functions normally. They can go out to the bar after work and and have some, you know, have some cocktails, do karaoke, play trivia night, whatever in a bar with their buddies from work. Um, and in those settings, people are exposed to to different opportunities, perhaps promotions, uh, career advancements happen in a casual setting most of the time. As a recovering alcoholic or someone in long term recovery, um, I am. I, I was not supposed to be uh, comfortable with going to a bar. I was told to avoid those places, people, places, and things, change everything about what you're doing. Um, and uh, I, I got out of rehab and I said, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. I, I, I don't see, you know, if I'm being equipped with the tools to avoid substance use, then um, I need to get to a point where I'm comfortable going out to a bar with my friends. Uh, I don't want to miss out on these social opportunities. I don't want to leave my home. I don't want to have to relocate again uh, in order to avoid using drugs and alcohol. Uh, I, I want to keep my relationships. That's part of my support. And so, um, you know, that's, I don't know that a lot of people who go through recovery are are in a position to be able to do that, right? Most, I think a lot of people who go through recovery, um, you know, they, they get out and and they have to start dealing with life on life's terms. And you know, even though we've sort of been given the, the tools of abstinence uh, in, in a recovery program, we're not always well equipped to come out and, and negotiate life uh, when we come out of a treatment facility or come out of a 12-step meeting. Uh, all of those things, all of those problems, all of the challenges of life are still there. They don't stop just because we get sober. Um, and you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily. Oh, we lost Logan. Uh, I don't necessarily care that, you know, um, how people think about this, uh, whether it's a disease or a moral failing or whatever. It, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the most important thing is that we're equipped to navigate life um, without leaning on, on, on drugs in a, in a self-destructive way or a harmful way. Um, and I, I, I don't know that the, the, the disease model uh, adequately prepares people for that. Um, and so, yeah, I, this is my very brief take on this. This is an excellent article. Everyone should go and read it. Um, 
Again, is this your brain on drugs, Zachary Siegel? I'm sure I missed some of the finer points here. So I apologize to Zach for maybe not doing his article justice, um, which is why, again, uh, the link will be in the chat. And um, I encourage people to go. Read so while you were uh, discussing this, um, I went and dug through my um, bookmarks really quickly uh, because I had read an article a few years ago, ago that was very similar, and it's from Scientific American. Um, and I'm not trying to downplay Zach's uh, article uh, in any way. Um, Zach's article is phenomenal. But I would also like to share this as well um, because this is also an excellent read. Uh, it's from 2018. Uh, this is, if I can copy and paste, I will share this as well. Uh, very, very much along the same lines. Let's see if I can. Oh, hang on really quick. I know this is super on the fly right now. Just. Me too. I, don't, I don't even know how to kill time and fill space here. So. Just hyperventilate on screen and make it look pretty <laughs> until I get this. <laughs> no, don't actually do that. Um, nope, that's not it. We're going to get there, you guys, I promise. Uh, Alex, do you have any uh, nice plans for the weekend? Anything going on? <laughs> well, this is Saturday, so no, I don't have any good plans. It's... Uh... Well, there's a race tomorrow. Ooh, okay, cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what everybody thinks about NASCAR, but uh, I do watch it. And you know, uh, we haven't had a good NASCAR conversation in a while. Okay, we can get away from NASCAR because I've got it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Excellent really way to stall. Excellent way to there's, stall. There's a great so. race happening this weekend in, in in the LA Coliseum. It's a quarter mile track. It's going to be exciting. Top speed is going to be like 60 miles an hour or something. And yes. uh, lots of bumping and grinding, uh, next generation cars in a place they've they've never raced before. Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Dope. Oh, so, anyway. here I actually have to I have to share the link in chat, not just put it in chat. Nope, that's still the wrong link. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm so bad today. That's a link to something else. This is the right link. So ignore that first one again. We're doing the ignore Logan's link thing again. Ignore that first one I posted. The Scientific America one is, um, this is also a really good article. Among other problems, uh, it has obstructed other channels of investigation, including the so-called social, psychological, and societal roots of addiction. Um, but yeah, why the disease definition of addiction does far more harm than good. This is an excellent article. It's, uh, again, from 2018, so a few years ago, um, but also excellent. That article, it was, it just, it just like clicked in my head. I was like, I know I have this article saved where? And so I had to, I had to do a little bit of digging, but we got her. Okay, cool. Excellent. Good stuff. Trudging I will just, I will just, I will just oh. quickly address the comment about lots of turning left in NASCAR. Yes, correct. But number one, they do have road courses. And number two, you got to turn right to slide out of the pit box. And that's where a lot of the action happens. So. Ooh. <laughs> There's at least three right turns in every race. <laughs> Maybe more. 
So should we uh, should we should we move on to the somewhat to the dive? Because this isn't going to be very deep. Ooh, we should just start calling it the dive. I like that. Okay, so I was literally hovering over that bumper, <laughs> and you hit it, and I was like, "Oh, what just happened? Like my computer's <laughs> just doing things now." Like I worried, and then I saw you smiling in the back, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is Alex. This isn't my computer just continuing to do things." That was me. Sorry. Um, yeah, that. Kristen's not here, and we're just we're just doing all kinds of things crazy. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I'll set this up. Um, so last night I tuned on, I, I don't normally watch any, any other vape media. Um, and, uh, but I, I saw the, uh, the tweet go out for what was going to be discussed, uh, Patrick and, um, and Kevin on, um, uh, Son of Liberty radio last night. Uh, and, and I figured this was something that, that Kasa can probably get behind here, uh, at least amplify it a, a little bit. We don't have to do much because, uh, the, the, the way to engage is, is already there. Um, but we are talking about Joe Biden's cancer moonshot, um, which is not an original idea. It's not the first time anybody has, has pledged to, to do a cancer moonshot. Uh, and I, I realize I'm, I'm probably going to just be rehashing things. I see a lot of folks who were in here, Janine Timmons, who was actually on the show last night, um, as part of this discussion, I only I only caught like the first hour, so I don't exactly know how how in depth um, y'all got in talking about this. But um, I figured this is a good thing for us to uh, uh, alert people to, and just kind of wanted to briefly go over uh, how you can you can get involved. Um, so just for a little bit of background here, and and really rehashing some of the things that Patrick talked about last night. Um, this is open to everyone. This is this is this is open to international voices uh, and the U.S. alike. It doesn't matter, matter where you are in the world. If you have an idea about how to dramatically reduce the rates of cancer, um, share your story, share your actions, uh, and and this is set up pretty easy. I imagine all you need um, to do. Uh, for recording or uploading your video, just need a, a camera on your on your uh, desktop, or I, I believe you can probably do this on your phone relatively easily. Um, but the suggestion for our folks to share your stories and ideas is going to be all about tobacco harm reduction. What is one of the most significant things that we can do as a society? to reduce rates of, of lung cancer and any other cancers attributed to smoking, help people switch to smoke-free alternatives. Uh, yeah. that Promote smoke-free alternatives as widely as humanly possible. And, and not just promote them, but promote them Encourage truthfully. Encourage them. The, yeah. the only promotion that we've seen from our federal government and all of the uh, anti-nicotine groups has been, as we have discussed ad nauseum on this podcast and over the past 10, 12 years in Casa's existence, all of that promotion has just been misinformation. So um, certainly there's an opportunity here for the vaping community to, um, and, and tobacco harm reduction folks, uh, anybody in any form of harm reduction, I think, uh, to uh, engage with this uh, this little portal here, share your ideas and stories, and um, I think put some put some pressure on the White House to. Um, is this you know, all video? 
No, there. So you can uh, also okay. let me get back to the other page. Uh, you can just write if you like. Uh, okay. There's there's a text box down here. Just go to share your actions. Um, and I, I this sounds like it's um, this share your proposed actions bit is is more focused on companies, foundations, and institutions. Uh, and so I imagine a lot of this is probably going to be, you know, well, you're committing a certain percentage of money to the, you know, foundation for whatever. Um, <clears throat> but I, I also did like um, uh, Patrick's take on some of this, which was, I think, somewhere in here, it's worded um, that, uh, you know, treatment is sort of the focus, not not cure, not, um, not necessarily uh making real changes um, that that could stop people from getting cancer. Right. It's more, it, the, the focus is more on the treatment and not the prevention or, or the cure. Patient experiences, diagnosis, treatment, and survival of cancer. Well, I guess, you know, the cure is kind of there in the survival of cancer. Um, so... Um, so yeah, you know, by no means is vaping a, a silver bullet. It's not a panacea for all things cancer or disease, but uh, in terms of, of significantly and rapidly reducing rates of lung cancer among people who smoke or people who might smoke, um, vaping and other smoke-free alternatives can certainly help with that. Uh, you know, it's going to take probably a generation or, or, or so to see results from lots and lots of people switching, from, switching away from combustion. Um, but hey, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's never really too late to start. Um, it's never too early to start on something like this. Uh, and so I, I just kind of want to, you know, if we can get a chorus going here. Um, thank you, Patrick, for, for talking about this. And um, uh, just kind of wanted to add, you know, whatever reach we have um, to encourage people to, to talk about how, how vaping or other smoke-free alternatives have improved their health. And here, uh, if anyone would like to uh, cite something uh, directly talking about cancer potencies uh, in nicotine products, including e-cigarettes, and comparing them with tobacco, tobacco smoke, I'm going to go ahead and share this. I don't know as though we've I, ever... I shared it for you. The, oh, from BMJ? I don't know. Whatever's on the screen right now. Oh, Okay. Sorry, I wasn't I wasn't on the actual like StreamYard screen, so I was like, "What is he talking about?" Okay, uh, this right here, uh, this is a uh, this was a um, study. Oh, when was this done? Oh, it's probably going to really make me scroll, but um, yeah, I don't know exactly when this was. This is a few years old, though. Uh, but either way, e-cigarette emissions span most of this range with the respondents of products having potencies of less than 1% uh, of tobacco smoke and falling within two orders of magnitude of a medical nicotine inhaler. So uh, approximately less than 1% of the cancer potential compared to tobacco smoke. So there's a there's a quick easy uh, little tidbit that you could throw in along with everything else, uh, particularly I guess especially if you're making a written submission, um, link this 
you know, add it right in there. Maybe the White House needs a little bit of science to uh, to encourage them along. And of course, um, you know, we had Skip Murray on here a few weeks ago or, or several weeks ago. Uh, the um, uh, the nicotine wiki uh, mm-hmm. is the Safer Nicotine Wiki uh, is an excellent resource for all kinds of, of information. CASA has our um, science and uh, stuff. Wow, man, we are just fumbling through this today. I apologize for my apparent lack of professionalism. Um, See, this is, we just, we can't, we can't be left alone, Kristen. Uh, but yeah, you know, by all means, uh, check out the Safer Nicotine Wiki for all of your uh, research reference needs. Uh, and of course, we have our own collection uh, here on our website. Uh, you can search by topic and so on. There's um, a good one, health effects. Um, so, um, Lots of good resources, lots of good science to include with your submission. But, um, you know, for sure, one of the most vital things about this is going to be, um, oh, wait, I didn't even share my screen. Um, uh, One of the most important things here, other than, I I think, providing information is, of course, our own experiences. And I I know for sure, uh, I've spoken to these folks, Um, you know, this, this, uh, what we're doing is, of course, larger than cancer. Um, and I, I would suspect that that people who do have to undergo surgeries, for example, or treatment from cancer, uh, perhaps a prerequisite for that is quitting smoking. Uh, and so we have definitely heard from people who are now able to receive life-saving surgeries and treatment uh, since they were able to switch from smoking to vaping. Uh, anybody who has a story like that, absolutely share that with the White House. Um, the Mayo Clinic did some research on this, uh, very positive research that didn't get any headlines. Um, that uh, patients who switched from smoking to vaping were able to get life-saving surgeries. Uh, and so um, uh, anybody's personal stories, whether that is your personal story or a story about someone you know and love who was able to get uh, surgery or treatment because they switched to vaping, uh, I think would be really, really important uh, and very impactful. Um, and we all, everybody, I think everybody knows someone who has died early because of smoking. Uh, and, and so, uh, all of us, all of us have a really good reason to, to, to share our thoughts with the white house on this. So, um, I'll just, uh, I'm going to drop the link in chat, uh, so everyone can find this, uh, and, uh, and share your thoughts with the white house on how we can, as the vaping community, I'm just going to, uh, uh, I'm going to link our 13,000 testimonials direct. I'm just going to send all of them to the White House. Like just in case you wanted to hear from 13,000 real people all in one shot, here you go. And of course, if you want to make that number go up, submit your testimonial. Oh, look at that plug. Look at that. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. uh, It's one of those things that I kind of talk about really briefly in the spiel at the end of every show, uh, along with becoming a CASA member. If you haven't submitted a testimony, you guys, it only takes a few minutes to to share your story. and do it because all of those testimonies matter and the more the better the more testimonies we have the power the more powerful that overall message is so yeah you know another thing actually skip skip brought up just kind of um i think it was i think it was skip everything moved really quickly ah here we go um yeah tweeting a few studies about cancer and thr anyone who wants some feel free to 
troll me. <laughs> I think trolls are cute. Uh, Ooh, like with the hair? Me too, I think. <laughs> if you're, if you're going to troll Skip, at least be nice about it, please. Um, I'm just glad that they finally put clothes on the trolls. <laughs> That's... <laughs> No, you don't um, remember the old trolls? They all came naked. Like I, old, I like never trolls, the dolls with the hair. Old. They were all naked with like a little Audi belly button and a little tummy, and they just had the wild hair. But now the newer trolls, the trolls that are out now, the ones in the movies that my kids watch, they all have clothes, and I'm very thankful for this. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, uh, my, my, Skip, my I hope that I hope you're. I bet you're thankful as well that the trolls in your comments have clothes, or at least I hope they do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just the reason for sharing Skip's tweet here, um, and this is not this participating in this cancer moonshot and and, and linking THR to this effort uh, is not, of course, exclusively through the, the White House website. Um, all of the social media things. The hashtag is cancer moonshot, um, and and I think we can uh, with with the the small uh, but dedicated army of tweeters that we have in the in the vapor space and THR space. Um, I think we can make a little bit of noise about this um, and make it abundantly clear to folks that uh, the vaping and, and smoke-free alternatives to cigarettes can uh, can do quite a lot to uh, reduce rates of cancer and, and, of course, all the other diseases that are attributed to smoking. Um, so, yeah, by all means, get out there on social media and start linking, linking studies uh, and articles um, and so on. I actually, this has nothing to do with the the, the moonshot, but um, I, I think I wanted to bring this up while we were talking about Clive Bates's article. Um, I have already, I immediately found a use for Clive Bates's article, um, which you know still, of course, is a little bit related to what we're talking about here. Um, but you know, uh, we were approached every now and then. We get these things that end up in our spam filter, uh, and uh, uh, someone was reaching out asking us to promote a new product it's a filter uh i guess that you put in your atomizer or device or or maybe they i don't know i don't know anything about it i i immediately i read their press release and was immediately like nope i'm gonna fire off some sort of response to you um because they use this they use the language of the, the prohibitionists uh and and even i think reference i don't know if they reference gateway uh but all kinds of things Anyway, Is it a vape filter? Yeah, it's a filter. And basically over time, it reduces the amount of nicotine that you're exposed to. It's the most in asinine product I've ever seen for vaping. I mean, other than like the, the vitamin vapes. Do they know the, how vaping works? No, apparently not. Uh, okay. And, and of course, <laughs> uh, you know, people have noted in the comments that on and their, their Twitter. This is the uh, first I've heard of this. That, that uh, you know, we don't need any extra we don't need to buy anything extra because we can choose the content yeah we just you just go down when you're like oh you know what i think i'm yeah. gonna use less nicotine this week you just I get don't. a lower milligram yeah liquid. i don't i don't need extra stuff to to moderate how much nicotine i'm using so anyway uh, but I, I i replied to the person asking us if we'd be interested in promoting this product which we don't do uh, and uh, I just replied saying, hey, look, before you continue spreading this information to promote your product, maybe you should read this blog post from Clive Bates, which really, I think, very succinctly, as we have noted, um, lined up accurate public health statements from the UK versus the propaganda we get in the United States. Um, so anyway, that was completely off topic from the dive. Um, but 
thought that's I okay i'm i'm still just trying to wrap my head around why my vape needs a filter yeah. i mean i'm still trying to wrap my head around why cigarettes have filters let alone why my vape ha- would need a filter <sighs> for anybody out there cigarette filters don't make smoking any safer or better or reduce your risk in any capacity other than maybe keep some little pieces of tobacco off your tongue and lips or something like that. But as far as them actually being something beneficial to you smoking, like they do, they do nothing for you um, in terms of your risk. Yeah. The only, the only time I, the only other time I have uh, seen someone uh, or, or been in the, the company of someone talking about a, a filter for, uh, an atomizer was uh, really all about appeasing regulators. It had nothing to do with improving product quality or safety or anything like that. Sure. It was that these filters were being designed to uh, filter out specific particle particles, um, and uh, you know that, that doesn't. I don't know that there's any measurable benefit there, um, but you know certainly if it helps bring your product to market faster, which it obviously has not, um, then, uh, maybe that's a benefit, but other than that, yeah, there's, there's no, there's no need. There's just no need for a filter on a vapor product. I will say, and maybe this is like a million dollar idea for a while I was using, uh, closed pod systems. Um, I, I'm not using them now just because they're horribly expensive. Other than that, they're fantastic. And if you're out there trying to quit smoking right now, please, by all means, go pick up a closed pod system. Um, but the one thing I always wanted was the ability to like hang it in my lip, like bite it a little bit because they're all a little bit weighty. And there's something about every designer, every manufacturer is like, we need to make the sleekest, most lip comfortable, like, like mouthpiece, but you cannot bite it or grip it or hold on to it in any capacity because it'll slide out of your lips because that's what comfort is apparently. And I've always like, I just wanted, I wanted any of these manufacturers to make like essentially like a soft tip, like almost like a cigarette filter would be that while I was like working and using my hands, you know, cause I, I'm a laborer, I'm a landscaper, I'm constantly working with my hands. And when I used to smoke, that's while I was working, I would just have a cigarette hanging out of my mouth while I'm, I'm working, I'm doing whatever. Um, and so it's one thing I've kind of always wanted. And I know some of the Sigalikes years ago had some yeah, uh, the, rubber. The Enjoy, Enjoy Kings. Yeah, they had rubber, yeah. or like hard rubber software. But like, I would love to see new ones because I would probably be somebody that would use this million dollar idea while you're all getting through the PMTAs, just adjust everything right now and introduce this new soft filter or this mouthpiece just for me, just for my sake, while I'm using my hands at work, that would be great. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it. That's, that's it. When you started talking about, you know, filters on e-cigarettes. That was the first thing that came to mind was like, I don't need it to filter anything. I just want to bite it. (laughs) That's all I need it to do. Uh, Anyways, maybe someday, maybe we'll get there. That'll be the the new jewel that comes out. Hmm. Soft tip jewel, jewel soft. There you go. 
And I'm sure, I'm sure immediately thereafter, we will hear somebody in a committee hearing that they made it a soft tip so that it's more attractive to kids. Oh, gosh, that's going to be a horrible, (laughs) horrible, horrible committee hearing. I can't imagine kids give a shit about Uh, that. Raja would jump all over that soft tip opportunity. Probably will. Probably would. Absolutely. Well, I guess that's it for our, uh, our, the dive. I kind of like the the dive. I like the dive. It feels like I'm going to like the best worst bar. That's what it feels like. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I guess that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you to everybody who uh, stuck around and, you know, kind of suffered through my computer issues along with some slight ill preparedness this week. Alex and I just can't be left alone. That's it. We're like we're like two children that can't, <laughs> we can't be left alone to do things on our own. Um, but anyways, I hope that um, I hope that everybody got uh, got quite a bit out of this as well. Um, and as far as um, uh, Project Cancer Moonshot um, is concerned, absolutely, I will be submitting a video. Um, we can do more than one, right? Like I can submit a video and a written. Uh, testimony as well. I, I would sure, assume. Why not? Yeah, I'm most likely going to do both. Um, and I would encourage people, you know, to at least at least do the written one. Uh, I know that some people are maybe uncomfortable on camera or, you know, um, equipped to do something like that. Uh, so please definitely at least uh, submit a, um, a written one. Uh, because this is an opportunity for us to communicate with the White House. And I think that's a fantastic thing that we can do. Uh, and Alex, you, you said we're just using Cancer Moonshot on social media as a hashtag. Yeah, look around, see if there's some others. But hashtag Cancer Moonshot is uh, one that I've seen around on the Twitters. Um, and yeah, let's, uh, let's link as much as, uh, as much of the information that, that we have been compiling over the years, all the data that is led to things like the National Academies of Science, Engineering and Medicine to come out and say that vaping is significantly less harmful than smoking. Um, yeah, all of that. I think we can I think we can jump into this conversation and, and hopefully make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. We've uh, there's a, there's a lot out there. And like Alex said, as far as resources go, the Safer Nicotine Wiki is an excellent place. Um, CASA also has our own library of research and studies as well that people can um absolutely utilize when when writing that when sharing that information um i guess we're i guess we're we're pretty good to wrap the show up then um for anybody out there uh in the uh audio only podcast land there will be two episodes of this available there will be a shorthand uh legislative rundown version and also a full um full hour and a half here almost hour and a half long episode as well um, as far as CASA goes, it's free. Become a member. If you're not a member yet, I don't, I don't even know at this point, what are you doing with your entire life? If you're not a member of CASA yet, please go join. It's absolutely free. You can sign up for all the things, all the emails, uh, and get all the notifications about what's going on to stay up to date and ahead as, uh, as best ahead as we can be. Um, what else do I have? I feel oh, my brain's just mush right now, you guys. Um, Danielle would 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 wring my neck, not not literally wring my neck, but wring my neck. Basically, if I didn't talk about merch really quick, 
She worked really hard on some awesome new merch that we have up on the site. So if you guys are inclined to buy some new t-shirts and things, go check out the Kassa merch. Um, and next week, I believe Kristen will be back as far as I know. Do you I know? So. I, believe I believe so. so. I think I think we're we're back on normal normal Kassa programming next week. Uh, and I won't be, um, hopefully I'll have my internet a little bit more figured. This has been okay. Right. Like I was, yeah, no, two... I, you dropped out once, but other than that, decent quality. Yeah. That's, that was my fault. I clicked a button. I shouldn't have clicked. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was a direct me thing prior to this. You guys, I was frozen like crazy. And I was like, Alex, we got 10 minutes left. I'm going to try to restart my computer. And he's like, Oh, you got plenty of time. And I was like, you don't know my old Mac, but we'll give it a go. <laughs> All right, that's it for us this week. Uh, be excellent to each other. Everybody stay safe out there. Get those tweets and stuff sent into the White House. And we will chat with you guys next week. Same time, same place, 4.30 p.m. East Coast, 1.30 p.m. over on the other side. Anywhere else around the world, you're going to have to do your Google foo for it. All right, that's it for us. Take care, everybody. See you next time.